Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, folks. Rob Hessler here with another episode of Art on the Air, my weekly Savannah Morning News and Do Savannah special. Thanks for tuning in again this week. Have a really fun interview lined up for you. I spoke with Troy Wanzell directly from his painting studio. It was a really great interview. Troy was really phenomenal in his expression of his opinions about the Savannah art community, about art making in general, about his self-portraits. But it was also really kind of cool because he actually painted a portrait of me while we were sitting there. And, um, you know, I'm not patting myself on the back about that. But what I kind of thought was cool is how relaxed that Troy got once he started painting me and ended up having a really, really great interview. I've cut it down to about, oh gosh, it's almost a full hour here. And it was actually a, over an hour and a half of recording. So it was a, a really long conversation. And I sort of cut out the best bits for your listening enjoyment. And I know that you are going to enjoy it. Wanted to mention, as always, you can get past episodes of Art on the Air and my corresponding Art Off the Air column right here at savannahnow.com in the entertainment section. And I wanted to mention, last week I spoke with the incomparable Jerome B. Meadows, and that was a phenomenal conversation. We talked all about his process, his background, as well as hitting on Confederate monuments and the Weeping Time property here in Savannah. So really, really interesting and deep conversation there with Jerome, and he provided us with a lot of insight. So I know you're going to want to hear that. Again, savannahnow.com in the entertainment section. But let's get to this interview. Again, Troy Wanzell, live from his studio. I know you're going to love it. Talking all about his self-portraits, his role in The Artist and the Truck, and a little bit about how his own image can cease to mean him. Enjoy. product of most of these things, right? The, the palettes have always been better than the paintings. You know, that, that's the dynamic of that's so the funny. nature of real paint, you know, because 98% of artists that paint will look at that palette and go, what kind of gibberish is going on here? What kind of organization? You've never been painted by me, but the old Troy used to power through shit where it's like I felt obligated to go quickly for the sitter and it was really gestural well, throughout the process of painting likeness and all these little things that people wanted more precision in like I want to make sure he gets hit dad's nose all these sort of things that wouldn't happen naturally with painting have been pushed to the side so so now I have to do a painting from life work on it through video photo form and then finish it on life which I am against a hundred percent but for accuracy, I have to do Why it. are you against that? You just want well, to... Well, because on. there's one variable in life painting that is not included in anything else. It's that act of being here. And, you know, as you can see, like you're sitting here, the painting's here, so you're watching the process happen, which, you, which is unorthodox, right? So you're sitting down, you're watching the process. Um, 
And this connection that I make, I register information, it becomes a memory to bring it to this point, right? So there isn't like, still Rob, you moved, you moved, uh, right? <laughs> so I gather information, put it down, so every step is like my interpretation through the, the truth of brush strokes, right? So the accuracy doesn't need to be there, you have to trust that it is there, right? So painting from life, like I'll paint a dog, a, a black lab, but somehow it will seem like that black lab, which is the most important thing, right? It's yeah. not a black lab, it's somehow that. So, so you're catching that elusive sort of thing that, you know, that, that photoform can't catch, right? So how, how much do you think this philosophy, do you think like you've developed just being out on your own and being like so immersed in portrait art versus you know training would you say well, like I, I think it, I think it is all accidental what I've come across w without uh, knowing because it wasn't really told like no one so basically like teachers taught you the skill set teachers left you on your own whatever they're observing like a proper teacher was like okay I noticed Troy's touching on something that I can't teach him possibly so so they're teaching you direct observation, they're teaching you limited palette, they're teaching you all these things that help you improve your touch through paint, right? Uh, and then, of course, I come from that school of painting where efficiency was key, right? Immediate, like, thoughtful brush strokes, right? You think about it, then you place it, you know, that, uh, that dynamic that doesn't happen in a lot of people's work. So I, I, I know the truth behind all that, uh, and that tactile quality that happens through that, and the, that beautiful accidental brush stroke that happens. But um, I mean, I guess to really answer your question, it was all accidental. Like turning of the canvas was based on a video moment where I had to document. They they needed to be seen. They needed to see the sitter and the painting, so I had to turn them in an unorthodox way. So. And then that just made sense to you after that, like well, after you did it, or? Well, you know, I use this too much where. I don't know what I want or what is right, but I know what is wrong, right? Through the process of like, that's not it, that's not it, that's not it. And then all of a sudden you realize, like, conversation is key in a live portrait, right? Where that someone becomes comfortable, they settle in like they're just talking, and then, oh, by the way, there's a painting going on. Like, you mean literal conversation as in yeah, you're actually happen. sitting down and talking. So just like right now, like right now we could be painting you right now, which we can right now if you want to. And it could be very quick. It could be something that is never seen by human beings. But but to understand it, or we can do it later. Uh, some other time we can organize that. But, I mean, if you want to, I'm down. But. <laughs> It'll be fun. Um, so just first of all, and I'll give you sort of a little impression of sort of stepping into the space and kind of what I see as somebody who, you know, I've interviewed hundreds, literally hundreds of artists at this point and talked to lots of people about their process and, and all of that. And you can walk into this and I think from like somebody who doesn't really know you or what you do or whatever and the studio is kind of a disaster, I guess you might say in a lot of ways. Like, I mean, it's really cool and everything. But from a mechanical standpoint, like from the space being oriented towards completing the what you're trying to complete as far as like making portrait paintings and having this spot with this actually pretty nice light that's coming in 
and you have a little place to sit back and look at your stuff. You have your where your palette is and everything like that. It's actually super functional, even though it's. That's what I was wondering about. That's why I kind of asked about that instincts versus versus teaching, because the, nobody would teach somebody to make their studio look like this. But as far as like being able to accomplish your goals, it's actually really well suited. Just like walking in and seeing it. I agree. Yeah. Well, and plus there's that. You know, I am not comparing myself to uh, great artists in any way, but you've seen like a Francis Bacon studio. It's like, how did, how did he do anything, right? Like, <laughs> how, how did that chaos exist in some form that he can present it that way, where the, the studio in truest form of an artist is an extension of the artist, and all of this information describes the way I approach the artwork, you know, that sort of, I guess, controlled chaos Things are organized, things are known where they are, but sometimes things need to be pushed. And of course, this is a downsized version of my studio, right? You never went to my old studio, which is probably the last remaining true Savannah studio where it was an old dilapidated house slowly falling apart, you know, and, you know trading, bartering for studio space, all those sort of things. <laughs> uh, so I had to downsize. That's why everything's like thrown in the corner here because. Basically, I had to take what I felt was worth keeping and then uh, take it uh, elsewhere. So, but it, but there is absolutely that dynamic, you know. And we really we've lost that with the social media. And I'll, I'll let you in on a little bit of history for Troy. My old studio, people used to stop by all the time. I'm in the neighborhood, whatever, and it was it was a great place to gather, have conversation, and then also I'm being painted, right? Why not? Uh, well, because of social media, people stopped coming by and they didn't quite know why it was social media. And I was like, man, why don't you come by the studio? Come hang out. Oh, I see what you're working on. Ah, interesting. So, so, so social media made people not want to see what I'm working on because they already know. But of course, you've already walked in here and this is not probably what you expected. You had a general idea no, and then there's also like the smells and like the feel of it, and like you can hear these chimes like in the background. Like I was just sitting here and you're talking, and I'm hearing like, and you know I'm coming at it from recording an audio thing as well, and I hear these chimes in the background, and I'm like, oh, that sounds nice, and that's a really nice little snippet that'll be on the recording. But you're not getting that from your Instagram post, or exactly right, and you're just simply talking about the the smell. Yeah, believe it or not. 98% of the world has never smelled turpentine. You know, like in true form, it's like, ooh, that's not a good smell. This is the only smell I can make for painting. Because <laughs> if you don't have a yeah. smell in your studio, I don't think you're a painter. I, I really, sorry, everybody, I don't, I don't think it counts. Because of all of that, like, almost like, it's not quite unsafe, but, you know, you go to certain studios and you'll be a painter, but you won't smell anything. You've been to studios that have uh-huh. no smell. That's a major variable, right? And uh, my girlfriend likes to smell of me. So there's that weird thing of that dynamic of that's who you are. Like, like I could bottle Troy Cologne in it. Could, <laughs> you know, could you smell like a painter. Yeah, Troy Cologne. And that's it. You know, in, in, in the weirdest way, people would. They'll smell you and go, what is that? You know, it, it's this strange, uh, I wouldn't say aphrodisiac, but it, but it definitely triggers something, which is what we should be triggering as, as artists, right? Yeah, we're wandering from the the tactile quality of art, which is predecessor of all the other senses, right? 
So we, do, we rely on, on this visual thing and we need more visual. When you could simply be sitting here being painted and smelling all this and, then, and somehow this becomes a memory, right? I'm curious, I mean, because you mentioned that you're having to do a little bit of live painting and then work from video and then coming back to the live painting at the end and working like that and you hate it. And talking about... Yeah, uh, not, not hate, uh, but definitely... Preferred... Unfamiliar the, territory. Right, right, right. Uncomfortable territory. And then also mentioning, you know, people not stopping by the studio because they're seeing what you're doing on, like, Instagram, social media, so they're not seeing it on purpose... I mean, do you feel a little bit like at all like a throwback in a way? Like, you know, do you think of it like those? Or do you, I mean, is it working for you? I guess what I'm saying. Like, is uh, it as far as... Like everyone, you kind of fight that. Do you feel like you're swimming upstream or you feel like, well, screw it. I'm just going to do my thing. I, I have come to the realization and I've had recent conversations with people that I value in conversation. And uh, that acceptance is a major maturing point of all those, like, acceptance. I know, points. right? And, and I've, I've accepted, right, this constant cycle of things spinning, right? Savannah is an example of the cycle. Oh, man. You know, like, more than anything I've ever known, uh, art-wise, you know, because we have the influx of young minds and all this sort of reoccurring thing and repetitive nature. And I realized my acceptance phase was not right now. That's all it was. Like, basically... I'm keeping everything close to my chest. I've come to the realization that showing work is not the way to have people respond to it. So you hint towards things. Like my Instagram is more like hints that people are paying attention to the clues of what I'm working on and if they're interested enough to see what comes out of it, right? So the final presentation of a body of work should, in my mind, and maybe the old school way or whatever we want to generalize it is, is the most important step because you're walking into a space that you could not have predicted, right? A, a mm. real artist will take this, these, these elements, all these things they've been working on and present them like they want or through a curator, whatever it takes. But you shouldn't know what to expect when you walk into an art, like a final presentation of a gallery, right? So if you already know what you're going to see, which is majority of people's Scenario, right? We, we, you know, well, because you can instantly show it in a way now that you could never have done. Well, and the photo form represents your work just as equally, and that that should trouble an artist deeply. Yeah. Like if somebody says, I, "You don't need to see my work in real life," maybe you should do something else. I, uh, but but to truly answer your question, now is not the time for what I'm trying to do. But that could be close, right? It, it could take this simple conversation, right? It takes nothing to shift mindset. It could easily be some recent quarantine issue that someone thought about something they didn't, right? And that's what this is about, right? Right, right. Uh-huh. You, you, what you talk about, you, you're showing what people are doing, but you're also trying to get people to expand upon it, right? Think about something, right? Not just make things up and how it should be, but definitely... Uh, as an artist, right? That's what we're, 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 we're trying well, to do. Well, you know, artists are very different, right? They're, they're, they're different. They're supposed to be different in a way where they been questioned more often. Right? Yeah, but I mean, I also think that sometimes, you know, as somebody who interviews a lot of artists, is I think that sometimes we're in our little space and we're doing our thing and we're kind of isolated from other people that we don't have to have the conversation about what it means and what it's all about. We just kind of follow our instincts and our instincts are honed over time. So, like, 
it's not really necessary that you like understand what you're doing in the moment because that understanding will come later. So a lot of times when I talk to artists, like they are figuring it out to a certain extent just by me asking questions because they're like, oh, I haven't really thought about this before. Now I need to think about it because there's literally some dude who's going to write about me in the newspaper. So I better sound like I know what I'm talking about. And that's not, I don't mean that as a knock. I actually think that that's kind of like a lot. I mean, I'm the same way as an artist. Like I work on my stuff and I don't really know what it means until I'm a certain distance into the process of like making a body of work, like you said, you know, or like it starts to evolve into something, you know, one thing or another. So. And all the variables are included, right? You know, that simple act of, me realizing it takes a village like that, that, you know, I do what I do and I've always stayed constant. I've stayed, I've, I've, I've reached for that point and some people have stayed on the path with me, some not, but I'm going that way, wherever that is. What do you think like, though? It's I mean, a village. Like, yeah. You just can't do it yourself is what I'm saying. Like it takes community. It takes conversation. It takes uh, patrons. It takes curators. It takes sure, all man. of that, right? And, and plus our town, it takes... The, the immature version and the mature version or whatever you want to call it, the evolved version, like the, there's so many variables in our art scene. That's interesting because you've been here for a long, long time and I'm wonder, I wonder how you sort of perceive... Since 91, by the way. <sighs> Man. So you've seen, I think, a couple of really major upheavals then. Um, but I'm sort of curious, I mean, like how do you view the Savannah art scene right now? I mean, do you think it's stagnant, positive, negative... Moving forward, changing, what, I mean, how do you kind of look at it based on somebody who's been here for a long time and worked here for a long time and is working as an artist? I mean, because you're not just viewing it from the outside, like you're viewing it from the inside. It's never stagnant. It's never not moving, but also in the same way of a slowly moving stream, you could say. But if I had to use a term, which probably will be misinterpreted, and I apologize, incestual. We have an incestual nature, uh, and you know what happens when that continues through generations. You get some mutated, terrible version of the same thing, and everybody's like, my son's great. Like, your son is a big forehead. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, we, we, as humans, we, we go to what we're good at, we go to what's comfortable, we go whatever we have to justify we're doing right. The artist's life is very difficult because you're constantly trying to justify money and you're comparing yourself to someone else. So you're trying to keep up with the Joneses kind of thing. So the artwork suffers. And we're at a very suffering incestual point of the same thing happening over and over again and everybody patting each other on the back. Um, and I, and that, that, that's me saying it in the most negative way I can. But in the most positive way is all it takes is that little flicker of realization that we aren't challenging each other anymore. We're just, it, it, it's comparable to a bad critique in high school. And you know what I mean, where no one wants to say anything bad because that may affect how their outcome is. But sadly enough, I feel we need to say some bad things. We need to challenge each other. And, and, I, and I want that with myself. Yeah, I, I know. I, I know more the wrong than the right. So yeah, I don't yeah. know our right path. But as you observe, which is key to art in general, like paying attention, we've noticed that we aren't challenging each other. So when I say 
I wish people would challenge each other. I'm saying, challenge me. Make me prove my worth. And and if you, there's any question, because you know, you know, hard pressed to find someone that wants to rip on me, right? Like try to find someone that's like, well, Troy, he needs to practice more. He needs to have a better opinion, right? <laughs> and, and, and you know, we want that, right? We want that, and we want to be able to talk about it and question what we're working on, you know. And I think that's where I am, which. To answer the question, that's not where we all are. So, it may seem like I have a dog in the fight in art, but in truth, I'm so comfortable with what I do that I don't. And I sit back and kind of adapt and react to what people need, sometimes confront, sometimes not. More likely, I am to stay away. Affiliation can affect your work and all those sort of things. For sure, 100%. All yeah. these things. Um, but we're also troubled when we, as a human race, we, we are used to something, we see this thing work, and then all of a sudden something shifts, right? So the simple act of gallery spaces being too expensive and all this sort of thing, and what percentage people take and what they really do for the work, and, and, and you know, then your community, like if one out of 50 pieces in your show are strong, that's a, that, you know, what do you do with all of that? You know? And we could talk about presentation more than anything and I think that is the key to Savannah right now is most people are not schooled in understanding presentation of work and truly that final thing because you can make the worst piece of artwork look amazing through proper presentation right or you can bring value to something that may not draw attention and I constantly talk about the strength of one little teeny piece like everybody will do a show of how many pieces I can put in how much work I can sell. Like the more work on the on the wall, the more likely I'll sell. But if you have three strong pieces that can hold an entire room, you can charge that much for them anyways. Because they have the strength. And then someone walks in and they're like, is this place empty? And they walk right up to that one piece. And if 35 people are gathering around one piece, and you may cry, it's so amazing. <laughs> I, I, I mean, that's, that's 100%. That's, that's a really, really good point. But, but will it seem empty? And, and we're talking about things like make artwork that makes you uncomfortable. All these things that existed before us that we've forgotten or chose not to. Everything has to be happy. Flowers and, and wonderful moments. Like if I paint a cloudy sky, it has to still be happy. Like it's cloudy. <laughs> like, you know, and, and you can't be troubled. But the. You know, you have, you have little moments of, like, like the, uh, where everybody knows my name, the little show that just happened at the chapel. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I don't yeah. know if you check it out. I, I'm probably going to go by today. But it's interesting, that variable, that little uh, group of people seem unorthodox to the art scene, which I think is where the value lies, right? What we're, we're talking about is what our community is. We have all these set sort of, not clicks, but existing neighborhood scenario for sure yeah so sulfur is for the neighborhood laney is for that neighborhood or the people that drive to the neighborhood um and uh everything else location of course and the new location space like what a great space right so who knows what that evolution but it's still the same vibe of the old space right so you have these little shiftings that happen within these little shiftings to kind of shift gears a little bit i mean i'm curious as to how because you're sort of you know, you mentioned you don't have a dog in the fight. You're happy doing what you do and all this. But you also do have the component of you and your artistic work that is the group show, the everything that you do with the artists in the truck folks. 
So that's a different thing because you all put yourselves out there and you're making your own individual work, but there is a certain level of cohesion, at least based on the history that you all share. I mean, how do you kind of marry those two different things for yourself, would you say? I mean, for, for with the artists in the truck show, which more than anything, you know, which, which I think is strangely rare in this moment of art, um, the story and the catalyst of whatever we've done is the most important element, right? So what, what triggered this sort of movement of what we're doing? And lucky enough, we have such a variety, you know, this cornucopia of, of artists and um, the understanding that everybody is there together, but improving individually, right? So every single one of us has improved individually as an artist, and then we have a show. So even if the shows, the work, regardless of whether it's strong or not, it's still that residual of the story and, and our human connection, which you, you interviewed all the gentlemen uh, enough to know all their sides and how they got to one point and how this all is. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, and it's beautiful in a way that it will continue regardless. And I think that's why I push that element, I support that element, and I, I believe it needs to continue like all things. It's, the, it, it, it's that wonderful understanding that baby steps in their direction are just as profound as big steps. And we're, we're, we're I would call us baby steps because that's the way we work as artists and as people and we make sure. But it's also grown and evolved. It's just in the six shows, once you, you know, just that simple leap from going from uh, what the old uh, beast, I guess, or whatever it was, uh, nonfiction. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh-huh. we have a nonfiction where it's kind of student run, and you know somebody's sort of helping with the lights, and you're sort of hanging at yourself, and you're kind of like not sure. What <laughs> pretty decent, pretty solid space, though. Oh, great space, space. Like, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, all, a lot of those spaces are so good, such good space. Um, but the idea that you know simply by you know, latching onto Peter. And that moment of the fellows realizing they don't need to install the work anymore, someone will do it for them, right? This is hilarious, maturing moment that happens in art where you're like, I really like not having to hang it myself. But me, <laughs> me as an art installer, the majority of my life, I still feel obligated to have input in it, right? But then some people will like, oh, you know, in the group will like, I'm just happy to have this guy do it, you know? So, so, and that's almost like getting paid well, right? You can think of that dynamic of, Right. Once somebody does it for you, you're like you feel better about yourself. You feel a little more value, right? And it could be just I don't know what it is. But basically, my connection to that, and I will call um, artist in the truck my constant, right? This one continual sort of thing, and then all these other things happen, right? So, so in any form, music visual arts, right? You have like a painter, local color and, and things are, so the overall color of things and then you have reflective color, you have these secondary elements that come in. So artist in the truck is the majority of the composition and then all these other things kind of flavor that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, it's interesting. There's a couple it, it, things that I take it easier, I guess. Yeah, I, I yeah. You have to take it serious, I think, is what I was really getting at. But at the same time, so what I think is interesting you say that, because one of the things, there's a sort of a theme that in talking to so many other the artists that are involved in the, in the artists in the truck is that there are two major themes that have, that although the work is very different, that each of the folks have kind of mentioned, and that's like, one thing is accountability. So, like, you all kind of, like, hold each other accountable in a way. Like, you all sort of push each other or, like, you're checking up on each other. And there's sort of that, like, we're going to have another show. So, there's the accountability of we're going to have another show. So, there's an expectation there that you're all going to work together again in the future. And then the bonding over hard work in the truck. Like, we're originally that job of working on that scad truck and working together and working your well because I don't want to have to edit this out working your butts off and sweating and doing that hard work and like hard work being sort of a component of it so like in every show I sort of feel like there's that underlying theme or at least with each of the artists like they all kind of have that and you're a really hard worker I mean you're prolific you don't like it's not like and that has shown in every artist I've spoken to you know every one of them not just as an artist, but like as a person, the kind of people who are hard workers, the kind of people who are like doing stuff all the time. Well, and the beauty of that, uh, you know, we'll call us generally working class people, whatever, you know, you, you earn some sort of thing. And of course, we've talked about most people got their degree from SCAD because of working there, right? That beautiful idea of you're working for somebody, they appreciate you, they give free classes, and, and they improve you as a human being, right? In truth, they improved all of us by giving us free classes. You know, someone who normally wouldn't, right? We were talking, like, of course, the transitional areas of Savannah growing up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That whole thing and how someone can get out of things. You know, of course, work was the thing to get you out, but then all of a sudden you're at, and you realize you're good at something, and now we have everybody working on a little more personal level, right? Like Keanu and his kids, and how he, how he mm-hmm. documents them and what, you know, a lot of times like Keanu will show his work right, and what he does professionally, you know, and hints towards a little more personal, but I'm looking forward to like the moment when he documents the true, or shows and, and presents the truly personal things, right? James will touch more on personal things through more sort of abstraction maybe, right, sort of things. And, and you know, basically we absorb everything and, and then you kind of, Produce what you need to produce. Well, so I think it's interesting because you're talking about Keanu and looking for him to, you know, looking forward to that moment when he shows something personal. But what I thought was interesting is that when the, you know, all of the social justice stuff started really becoming back in the, our public consciousness and James did a portrait of him, you know, with the chains yeah. and everything, that photographic portrait was really powerful. That inspired then Keanu to do a piece similarly. And I think it actually worked. Oh, it was the other way around. Yeah, it was the other way around. So they worked off of each other like that. And I think that that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they both were owned up to like how they were influencing each other. But they were influencing each other to do something that hit more, I guess, close to home, you know, or like more, was more personal and more kind of out there. And that's that accountability thing I almost think of. You know what I mean? It's like you're bonded and you trust each other. You know, you all trust each other. So like you can... You can do an homage, and you know that the person, other person, isn't going to be like this person's ripping me off. You know what I mean? You know that like there's that trust there. So there's definitely a uh, an understanding of uh, 
we're all equal in this scenario, which is probably resonates from the work ethic. Like, you prove yourself, and that, that's it. You know, and, and these guys are keyed in on that. Like, like there is that absolute need to prove yourself, and once you prove yourself and you're accepted, then we move on. It's like family, actually. What I've in, in the descriptions, like especially the conversations that were not recorded, because with every one of them. We had an awesome conversation that I recorded, and then we ended up talking for like half an hour, 45 minutes on the phone afterwards that was kind of a reflection about our conversation. And a lot of the time, it, I, w- I kind of wish, oh man, I wish I had this part as my recording because it was so deep and so personal. Yeah. That's kind of interesting. I, I, so what do you think? I mean, like, I, I know you've, you've, in a lot of ways, because you've been in Savannah for so long and you've stuck around in Savannah... I mean, I kind of think of you, well, James in a lot of ways, I think has looked at sort of like the, the spiritual, the spiritual leader or in a way, but I kind of feel like you is sort of being the person who connects a lot of the people within the group, um, being here in Savannah and, and staying here in Savannah and sort of, I just happen to be a little more connected with the scene. Yeah. I guess that's that's it. Yeah. Basically my one little part is, and I've made the exodus from uh, SCAD and, and all that, and a lot of those guys are still working, so they still interact with each other. So my focus is what I can do for myself and, and presentation of work and what spaces. So working that hustle a little bit, uh, I get a foot in a door where they may not, and I was like, hey man, we should check this out. Mm-hmm. So that's usually what it was where, you know, like Peter, all of a sudden deciding we had value in, in what he was doing, and, and, and his excitement about that, right? He, he can't wait for our next show. Uh, so he's, and when I talk about the unique takes a village, it takes that. You know, and, and like you talk about whatever people talk about, it doesn't even play a part. Like what you think about location, what you think about the space. We are embraced the way it should be. Like, you know, like somebody who's staying dedicated then you need to stay dedicated, right? And you see the value, right? And Peter finds the value in the group, which I love our group, but I have to really force this. It has nothing to do with me, but everything to do with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is profound a moment that humans need to remember. Like, what if it wasn't art? What if it was something else? This scenario plays beautifully in that scenario. And, And I truly, I say this way too much, genuinely lucky to be included, right? I think I add a valuable part. All the parts are important. You could also throw someone else in the mix that, that fits in, right? We could take someone out. Like, that variable can change. It doesn't need to stay with these certain people, you know? Like, oh. we'll, we'll throw in a little bit of uh, Carlos. Like, Carlos will do our uh, graphic design stuff, you know? So Carlos was part of that original group, and uh, he just plays a minor part, which is more in the shadows of it, and people may not know. Like, he designed a card or his sort of image stuff. Well, that's interesting because the way you're describing it, it's powerful, but also, like, it's very liberating. I mean, to not, like you said, you, you have, like, less pressure or there's, it, it's less serious. Um, because I, and I can actually identify with that with, like, the writing and the radio show. Like, I don't, it's so not about me. It is about, I think of it as, here's my way that I can help grow and support the Savannah art community, which I love. And, like, that's all, it literally is not about I think of it like that. You know, I think of it as really like here is something I can do that's positive that isn't really about me. You know, I don't talk about my own work when I'm interviewing 
like artists well, or you, you know what I mean? Late, like, right? We have yeah, when there's a relation mm-hmm. moment, but it's not like it's not about. I mean, the you moment know, it becomes about you is the moment you fail, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. And I don't even. But the thing is, I don't even want it. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, what I love doing this because it is not my work. You know what I mean? Because it's not my artwork. It's like mm-hmm. it is helping others or doing something you know that is with others. And I do think of it as, in a way, it's a collaboration because I'm writing and you're telling me your story, and I'm putting that story out, and based on our conversation, that's what the story, how the story is told, you know, so it's, uh, it truly is fascinating. So what do you think, I mean, I know when I was speaking with the other fellows for this, uh, you know, about kind of stuff last year, that there was some, um, I know you were kind of thinking like, oh, we're going to do a show soon, and then, you know, there's a pandemic, and things kind of Which get we weird. actually had a show scheduled, and it was supposed to happen maybe three weeks before COVID. So, so we actually had a show scheduled, and we're, like, starting to produce work. We, you know, we, we sort of, or we absolutely pick a, not a theme, but, you know, some sort of guidelines based on dimensions, like some uniform quality, because we have such a variety of work, we can easily just do endless salon style, size variables, whatever. So, so we start focusing, and, and, and I, my thing, which I barely do, but I can drop the seeds, that need for maturing, right? So that's what, it, hopefully people have noticed every show is maturing, and then the sort of vision of what this sort of, how this could become conceptual work, right? So imagine this long road and then all these guys become conceptual artists, right? Like leaning more towards Edgar. Yeah, 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 yeah. But could you imagine the beauty in such things? Like Gianni all of a sudden being really vague and conceptual with what he does? Yeah. And that you may never have seen something like that. That's the potential of what we're talking about. So uh, that's where I find the most value. Well, it'll be interesting too because, you know, we can discuss and we all know that historically speaking there have been you know, pandemics and things before, but we can't understand something like that without experiencing it. We've all ex- now experienced it. And I know in every instance of all of the artists that I've spoken to, they were all influenced one way or another by the pandemic or the social justice movement or one thing or another that's happened in the last, I guess, you know, now 16 months or so. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, are you thinking to show that show or are you thinking... Well, now we need to do something different because they, they the world is so different. You know, recently, I reached out and they have said that they're working on work, and, and basically, it's a good time for something to spark off because of the, the you know, the, they have been working on work, which I'm, I'm speculating has a lot to do with COVID and, and you know, whatever that variable is, where you're spending more time with people, or isolation, or quarantine, isolation, whatever, more yeah. thought, lack of thought, whatever people chose to do. Uh, acknowledge, hide, ignore, whatever we're doing. Uh, the, the, that that constant uh, flux is happening. So, so what we were working on before m- most likely won't have anything to do with what we're working on now. Me personally, I don't. I'm not the artist that uh, responds to social whatever. I just there's enough people for that. Uh-huh. I like to be more of a whisperer. Like, I like, like, let the work be for the whisperers. Let the people who gather in corners talk about the corners, right? Uh, work is most important. You have to assume the artist. You have to assume everything about the artist, basically. You have to walk in. 
and see something, know some information, but absolutely understand that this tangent could be anything, right? You know, it doesn't seem the same. Did you notice everything, right? We're not, as a community, we're not spending time with this work like we're spending time. You know, you want people to sit down like they do in a museum, right? Where, where somebody sits down and knows that this is worth staring at. The Raffle of Medusa, if you sit in front of it for two hours, like people have done for thousands, hundreds of years, you know, there's something there, right? But we don't do that with our work, right? And that's what, if you've noticed, like space-wise, so that's where I am with like artists in the truck and, and what I'm doing. I'm thinking of creating spaces that nurture that. I wanted to sort of round off the interview because I always ask people this, and this is really funny because my last question is always like, if people want to follow you, see your work, <laughs> we've been kind of disparaging Instagram, but I mean, are you like, I mean, I guess it would be really hard for somebody to come by and see your studio at this point. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. impossible. Like, yeah. you can't just stop in. I mean... Which, you know, that that's a... a controlled aspect of it right you know you know i've gotten to that point where i need to control it so the answer that if somebody is interested in what i do put your nose to the air see which way the wind's blowing and maybe see if troy surfaces and i think that's where i am right now where i'm holding most of the stuff close to my chest i'm working on things and i believe what we're lacking is the physical excitement of seeing something that you did not expect and and the overwhelming quality of, of, of really thoughtful work, right? Like something that you revisit, right? Think of the last time you saw something, tried to absorb it and knew you had to come back, right? It's, it's rare in this modern day, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe somewhere else, but not right now. Um, so that's where I am and that's what's valuable. So I work on these little elements, these little pieces that I may show and hint towards what it's going to be, but in truth, you don't know what that final presentation is going to be, and that's what I'm going for. So the idea that something is... So I'm working, I'm, 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 I'm fiddling with things. So I'm just... just, just so basically, location gallery is where you can see some work, but in context, it, it, it's out of its element. It's just sort of there to buddy up with everybody else and you know, make sure people know you're alive and producing work. Right? <laughs> Like, oh, he's alive and producing work. He, he, here's art. Um, but really, people should to sniff into the air, and if they smell Troy Cologne, Troy Cologne, Turpentine, <laughs> then they know a show is coming soon. Uh, the body of work is coming soon. Yes. And, and hopefully, we, we are connected enough with our community that we know, uh, 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 the, you know, people with the pulse on things. People understand what is going on. You gotta stay in tune with people. We have to have these conversations, right? Uh, and now that this sort of quarantine moment has made people think about things, we'll see what happens, right? We'll, we'll see how exciting or, or lack of we have, right? But we do know that this is an important moment, right? We're talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We haven't talked in a while. We haven't talked thorough. Uh, you've never been to a studio or whatever. It's interesting though, because walking in here, and I, and I said that too, but like, I, I, right when I walked in, like, I got it. You know what I mean? Like, I got, like, because, like, it seems chaotic, but, like, the what you, the essence of you being able to execute the, with the work that is important to you is very 
like it's obvious. Like I can see it. You know what I mean? And I think that that's, you know, I mean, I think that isn't that what an artist studio is. <laughs> and, and and to let you like a little hint of what I'm truly thinking of, and I've said this. Yeah, we didn't even talk about self-portrait uh, stuff. But but the, simply the the sculpture form, the, the the white sculpture form in plaster, which is such a satisfying material and affordable. But I felt, you know, if you haven't figured this out about me, I think every little seed I plant is sort of a lesson of what I've learned, or what I've been up, what I have observed. And I have observed that the majority of our artists are dependent on color. A color is a crutch. They couldn't produce other kind of work. The color is, it, it, they, they say it's important, but in truth, if you if you're dependent on color, you need to question color, right? That's the way my mind thinks. So by me leaving color, and now we're dealing with form, right? And, and sculpture, to me, relates more to photography than painting, right? Because it's light dependent, it's light source dependent. So these elements that are in plaster are dependent on presentation, which a lot of, our, a lot of my paintings doesn't matter. It's almost good wherever it is, you know? So that idea is a hint towards what is important to me right now. So basically the absence of color, the use of presentation and shadow and light, and, and, and of course the residual of what brainstorm was to me and cast shadows, like cast shadows on, on Yeah, yeah, form. yeah. And I saw you playing with some shadows and some digital imagery actually, yeah, yeah. which I thought was interesting. It's interesting indeed. Where, where all those photographs look so in Instagram, right? Why is it, you know, he's, he's documenting himself, which I'll tell you real quick, self-portraits all started because I was painting people from life and in between painting people, I needed to paint something from life. And the only thing that was around was me. And that's it. Self-portraits started that. I knew that actually, so, you told me that before. Yeah. So, so basically that was it and I filled my time and I, I would do like bodies of work that were 120 self-portraits and then uh, like hats and glasses and all these little variables which I retouched in or re, 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 revisited through a location gallery show, you know, like, oh, there's Troy dressed like a girl, like, oh, you know, whatever. So, so picking these different ways to do a self-portrait, so I was distracting myself with like, oh, he's wearing a funny shirt. It's Troy with a funny shirt. Uh, so now I am self-portrait, no distraction, and having done so many self-portraits, which I would estimate 20,000 bare minimum self-portraits in my life, like, you know, very easily that number, probably more. And now the self-portrait has evolved to no longer represent me. So that's what the self-portrait is now. It has nothing to do with me. So this is now, and if you think of these elements, especially the self-portraits in plaster, they, they represent more of like a key or a legend of a map, right? Symbols. So, so what does Troy's face now represent? And that's what I find. That's interesting because I was thinking you were kind of equating it to, you know, like when you say a word over and over and over again, one after another, and then it ceases to have meaning. Like I was sort of feeling it like that. Like you're, like it, it doesn't have the meaning for you. Like because you said it so many, you've painted it, you've sculpted it, you've done it so many times. Which, which, which is accurate, I think, yeah. I mean, because. Where it, I've done it enough where it no longer is me. You know, where. I basically painted self-portraits, and this is how I, my mind works, until I'm no longer interested. So one day I woke up 
and didn't paint a self-portrait. Didn't even notice. Next day, I didn't paint a self-portrait again. I was like, it's been like three days since I haven't even thought about that. And I just didn't need it anymore. And that was it. You know, so a lot of my body of work, I'll work on it like this chaos piece where it's just like spinning and moving until it no longer moved. Like, can you stir the soup enough to make it so thick where it no longer moves? And that's basically when the body of work <laughs> just ended because I, I, it stopped moving for me. I was like, finally. So I would paint self-portraits until I no longer needed to. And I no longer needed to. Like, I woke up and didn't need to. Dude, that is, think about that, the health of, the good health of that, though. You know what I mean? Like, especially because people know you in that context. Like, you're giving up the thing which people kind of know you for because you don't need it anymore. Like, it's not healthy anymore to just do that thing over and over again. Continue to do that thing. That's that's fascinating. That's well, a fascinating you know, It's simply like something that is, is reflective as a self-portrait is really the ultimate thing, right? You know, so anyone who's ever done a self-portrait, there's a lot going into that. But that I have gotten past that. It's a very, very interesting moment for an artist where you no longer represent you. I mean, that's a very bizarre it's deep. moment. It's, I mean, I mean yeah, it's like, what does it mean? It's deep, it's just... No, like, really, what does it mean, though, like, when you no longer represent yourself? That's so fascinating. How do I... So what is the vehicle for, for thought and conversation? What is the vehicle for talking of community issues and all these sort of things, right? So if I can represent racial inequality through my face multiple times in elements, it takes someone to think about it, like, oh, this is the white guy with a beard. I'm already judging him. You know, that's what I get. Like, like my face is the face of people... I know what kind of type of guy you are, right? So in this form, I'm a type of guy to people. When people see a self-portrait, they're already kind of judging. They, they think they're supposed to be thinking about who that is. Or, you know, I wonder who this person is, right? I mean, that's what we do with portraits. Oh, for sure. So if that image of myself can represent something completely not me, and people are willing to think about that, and think of it as the, the key or legend to a map, like, oh, all these are sort of elements that are, are, you know, like imageries that, you know, when you put images together that say something. Yeah, you know, like... Do, do you think people can do that? you think people can can figure that out on their own? you think that they don't, they can do that? Like, let's say somebody comes in and they see this work and they, they don't know you. They don't know your work. Do you think they can figure that out on their own? Absolutely or, not, right? Yeah. yeah, that's the tough thing, right? There's, there's no way... You know, and, and there are people like that. You know, certain people like Mike Williams, you know, who's no longer around us, uh, he had that deep knowledge of art. He understood art, so he was able to see all the clues, because basically every modern-day artist is some offshoot of everything we observe, mm-hmm. everything we learned. You know, it, you know, some people study ancient works and influences on whatever, whatever time period you deal with. But the more you know, the more you can discuss it, right? And that's where we fail miserably. You know, we have, you know, think of the last time someone really, really impressed you with their art critique. Like, wow, they not only shared what knowledge they had, they connected dots to things that I didn't connect dots to, right? That, that, that person that inspires you, right? You know, that person that makes you better than you are, right? So we, you know, like we have to have like a husband, you know, who is just so knowledgeable of, of how to talk about the work. 
and there's nothing wrong with what we have going on here and, and how we discuss this, but there are those few people that get the clues and information, and those are the people we're really trying to, right? Because, you, you know, I mean, what a beautiful moment when you make work and somebody gets the one thing you didn't mention, right? For sure. There, there can't be much better. Like, like, and then that person... It's so empowering. You, you just like, like right? I, am, I am forever indebted to this moment, right? And that's what it is. So, so anytime you do something, you're not catering to the 98% of people. You're, you're hoping for the 1% or 2% that makes... That adds something. Well, you are. Well, it's an but that's the thing right? is, but I don't know that that's. It's our duty to art. I think is what I'm. Doing. I think I agree with yeah. you on that. You know, and I, I, it's sort of philosophically. It's philosophical, but I also think that it's right in a way. Like it's not. <laughs> well, it's simply better than we are, right? Um, yeah, that's exactly what I mean. Like, like hoping. Yeah, 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 yeah. I want my work to resonate long past when I'm alive in, in anything and it still carries value it shows I thought of things I didn't just you know, I could have been a millionaire painting dogs a millionaire you know, making bank painting dogs it was so upsetting how much money I made <laughs> going to Atlanta I would paint five dogs a weekend for like years I was just pumping out money like absurd amounts of money for dogs and people loved that I was like painting their dogs next to the grand piano it was just crazy but I couldn't that was the filth I couldn't wash off like Troy you could be a millionaire dog painter like no you don't want to do that like be the be the struggling non-dog painter or whatever whatever we have to do so that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Art on the Air with your host, Rob Hessler. Listen every Wednesday for our live show, broadcasting from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time on 107.5 FM, Savannah Soundings, and worldwide at WRUU.org. And you can catch past episodes on the WRUU Station Archives on our website, as well as on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. We'll talk to you next week, where we'll have another batch of art on the air. going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.